0: Or at the web, veteransradio.org is our new URL, veteransradio.org, where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.org. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans, Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. Well, we want to give you some news of some local events that are occurring in the metro Detroit area that you might be interested in helping out with. Uh, September 13th is the first one we're going to talk about. That is the 14th Annual Veterans Summit, sponsored by the Canton Community Foundation's Local Impact Group, uh, in conjunction with Legal Help for Veterans. Uh, This can be is free, open to the public, uh, September 13th, 1130 to 1 p.m. at the Canton Township Administration Building on Canton Center Road. We're going to talk about what you need to know about the PACT Act and the new VA caregiver program. You can go to um, localimpactalliance.org to register or call Beth Mead at 734-495-1200. It's a great informational outing uh, with the community, so I think you'll like that one. I always want to remind you of also our upcoming now in September Radio on the River, Veterans Radio, Radio on the River, It's a Saturday, September 30th, 3 to 7 p.m. It's on private property along the beautiful Huron River in Superior Township. There's going to be speakers, food, beverages, radio broadcast recordings, silent auction, all to support uh, Veterans Radio, which is a 501c3. Go to the website, veteransradio.org. You'll be able to find uh, how to get uh, tickets or, for that matter, uh, make a donation. If you can't, can't attend but you want to help us out in our 20th year of broadcasting veteran stories, uh, go there, click on a couple of links at veteransradio.org, and you'll be able to donate. We're encouraging uh, folks to at least think about $20 for 20 years, a, a small price to pay for the services you've been getting. And then uh, one last one we'll mention because it's brand new. <laughs> the uh, uh, group of uh, people are getting together and forming the Air and Space Forces Association, AFA, an Ann Arbor chapter. It's going to be Chapter 181. And uh, it's going to promote the dominant U.S. Air and Space Forces as a foundation of a strong national defense. It's going to honor and support airmen, guardians, and their families, and to remember and respect uh, the enduring heritage of air and space forces. Uh, you can learn more about them. One of the organizers is Doug Odie Slocum. You can go to email him at dslocum at theslocumgroup.com. Their program is going to be their initial program, I should call it, Uh, Saturday, October 7th, but uh, reach out for more information. They'd love to have you participate. Probably less than half of the states in this country have a Hall of Honor or Hall of Fame, you might call it, for military members. Um, Very few have them for both military and veterans from their state to to highlight their service and educate the younger generation about what's been done. So we're really happy to be able to talk to board members from the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor about some of their upcoming inductees here in October of 2023. Uh, This is, I think, the fifth class. They've uh, put in about 60 people along with all of the Um, medal of honor recipients Uh, so you're going to hear a set of diverse stories that i think you'll find enjoyable it may make you want to go check out what your uh, state's hall of honor is doing and if there isn't one think about maybe getting one organized we want to welcome back to veterans radio Paul Ryan, Captain Paul Ryan, retired uh, out of the Navy Reserve, is the vice chair of the Michigan uh, Military and Veterans Hall of Honor. and uh, it's coming that time of year again to put some more inductees into the hall. Paul, welcome back to Veterans Radio.
1: Hello, Jim, nice to be back with you again.
0: Well, as we've told folks in the past, the this is the the Hall of Honor for Michigan is to recognize veterans and military members who have had really extraordinary and distinguished service, either while in act on active duty, or um, maybe they got out and and really kind of kept the faith uh, in the rest of their civilian world and and did extraordinary things for the veterans community. So you put in six military members and six veteran members. Uh, every year, and we're going to talk about four of these. Paul, when is the induction ceremony this year?
1: Uh, this year's ceremony is a little earlier than we've had it in past years. It will be held on Friday, October 27th, at 12:30 uh, p.m. The ceremony itself will begin at 12:30 at the Michigan History Center in Lansing.
0: Oh, it's a great location, very dignified as it should be. And, and uh, will you have uh, individuals who are being inducted actually present uh, for this affair?
1: Yes, uh, we have, um, as you know, Jim, that we, uh, 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 we are open to uh, bringing in for induction uh, uh, worthy individuals uh, living or deceased. And I believe of the 12 this year, Uh, About half of them are living and the other half are are deceased.
0: Well, it's a great ceremony for those who are uh, able to attend uh, for the inductees, their family. It's a real honor. And certainly at uh, those who have passed on, their family members or friends and relatives, uh, their community comes out and supports this as well. So you'll have, I don't know, what, two or 300 people in the auditorium?
1: Yeah, the the auditorium holds about 250 and we're we've been pretty good about uh filling the house uh, for just about every ceremony that we've had since 2019. Well, let's talk
0: about four of these individuals and we're going to get a chance to talk to some of the other board members and others who are going in this year in 2023. But uh one of the ones in the 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 military category, SE Woods, really gives you a sort of a sense of how um, encompassing the hall is to capture people. So tell us about Essie Woods.
1: Yeah, Essie Woods has a really interesting story, and uh, on a couple of levels. Uh, one of them, I think the main one, is that Essie's uh, uh, e. story shows just how important so many different aspects of military service are. Uh, it, it goes well beyond the warfighters. Uh, Essie was, uh, born in, uh, 1915 and was a lifelong resident of Detroit. She, uh, like so many other patriotic men and women, uh, enlisted, uh, in the military in World War II. Uh, in, in Essie's case, as a female, she enlisted as in what was then known as the Women's Army Corps in. Uh, 1943, and served with a unit uh, identified as the 6888 Central Postal Directory Battalion. Uh, this battalion, uh, which was nicknamed the 688, uh, actually went into uh, went into Europe uh, initially in England, and then into liberated France. And Essie's battalion was responsible for processing mail
0: well anybody who's ever been in service uh, at least in the age before the internet uh, certainly knows how important getting a letter is and as i understand it um, there was quite a backlog at this point and they sent in the six AAA and said nobody else has been able to solve this backlog let's see if you guys can and by you guys i meant the women so how did that story play out yeah,
1: yeah, and just just to, to to reinforce your comment, when I was on active duty in the Navy back in the seventies, you're exactly right. Um, uh, receiving mail, especially when you were deployed, I was deployed once, uh, was really important. Uh, you could tell the positive effect that it had on those who received the mail and uh, negative effect on those who didn't receive any mail. So uh, this was a really a vital. Uh, uh, activity to contribute to the mission. And in the 6888's case, um, they had a, uh, six month backlog of undelivered mail. Uh, set these, uh, I, I believe the, the, uh, uh, the unit was primarily female, uh, set these women soldiers, uh, to the task. Uh, they pr- uh, were able to process. Uh, more than, on average, more than 65,000 pieces of mail per eight-hour shift, and that incredible performance uh, enabled them to uh, clear that six-month backlog in only half of that time, in only three months, just an incredible performance
0: yeah this you could we could spend an hour on this topic because in fact i have on interviews for veterans radio it's so interesting this was a uh, african-american unit uh, that faced a lot of discrimination and and yet processed through all this mail and now again folks veteran radio listeners think about this this is before computers this wasn't before excel spreadsheets all this mail had to be pieced together by hand and uh, on pieces of paper and pencil, so it was quite a feat. And and Essie Woods was part of that. But after she got out, I mean, she she was a staff sergeant ultimately, as I understand it. But after she got out, she stayed active with veterans, didn't she?
1: Yeah, you could say that uh, somebody like Essie and her experience uh, in World War II could have very easily said, you know, I've done enough, and I'm going to just live the rest of my life in a in a different way. But uh, Essie didn't do that She continued to serve the uh, military and veterans In uh, various capacities For over 35 years uh, She was one of the founders Of the National Association Of Black Military Women And was also A founding member of uh, A local chapter The Wolverine Chapter 67 Of the Women's Army Corps Veterans Association uh, Just to, You know uh, Continued to Uh, serve her fellow veterans and her community long after she uh, uh, took off the uniform
0: well she was certainly one of the ones you know when you talk about standing on the shoulders of uh, giants to keep moving forward she was one of them i want to move to uh somebody who you are inducting in the veteran category um whose uh, public service is also very ongoing uh talk to us about jack bergman
1: yeah, Jack Bergman, uh, born in Minnesota, but he'd lived in Michigan for the past 27 years. Um, he started out as uh, an officer in the Marine Corps, commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps back in 1969 uh, during the Vietnam War. Uh, didn't serve there, though. He flew uh, uh, helicopters for the Marines in uh, stateside in North Carolina, uh, Japan, and then later in, uh, in uh, Vietnam. Uh, Jim... Uh, or uh, Jack left active duty in 1975 and began uh, flying uh, the UH-1 helicopters or the, the the old Huey helicopter for the Rhode Island National Guard now the National Guard is an army outfit uh, I do know that uh, uh, a, a number of uh, folks that serve in the Marine Corps move over to the National Guard uh, because it's uh, the promotion opportunities uh, d- tended to be uh, better in the guard. Uh, while Jack was in the guard, uh, he served in uh, numerous commands in Germany, North Carolina, and in Louisiana. Uh, Jack went back to the Marine Corps. That, in my experience, is a little unusual. I, I know a number of people that have gone from the Corps to the guard, but not back to the, Gu- uh, to the uh, Corps from the guard. Jack did that, uh, went back on active duty. Uh, rose to the rank of Lieutenant General, three-star general, and um, uh, served as Director of Reserve Affairs for the Marine Corps at Quantico, Virginia. He uh, finished his career as uh, Commander of Marine Forces Reserve uh, starting in 2009, uh, 2005, excuse me, and uh, served in that role for four years, uh, concluding it in Two thousand nine, which is when he retired. So uh, he had a total, when you combine his Marine Corps and National Guard service, of 40 years of military service.
0: And he's not going into the hall because of his military service. It certainly added to this, but it's what he's done since that's so amazing, right? <laughs> right. Tell he, us about that. Guys,
1: we, we have them uh, that come up occasionally in the, the Hall of Honor that uh, their curriculum vitae, as you might say, uh is uh, strong in both the military and the veteran categories and could be uh inducted in either one in in Jack's case uh after he uh, took off his uniform uh he too uh like SE Woods continued to serve his community state uh and the country in many capacities uh including uh various private sector ventures but also was elected to the United States Congress in 2016 for Michigan's first congressional district, which serves uh, northern Michigan and the Upper Peninsula, uh, Jack uh, is uh, as as a veteran uh, who is also a member of Congress uh, has been very active in helping to ensure that those who uh, who did wear the uniform and uh, uh, fought for uh, to preserve our freedoms uh, receive uh, everything that those veterans are uh, entitled to. Uh, he was instrumental in uh, passing the fiscal year 2024 National Defense Authorization Act, for example, uh, in the House. And the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA, as those inside the Beltway refer to it, is uh, the main funding law that, that funds the military for the successive year.
0: Well, it, 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 truly an inspiration, and that's what uh, all of these people who are be, being inducted are, Uh, who demonstrate not only a great military service, but, hey, a hell of a public service when they get out. And that's another one of your uh, inductees, Jennifer Smith. Tell us about her in the veteran category.
1: Yeah, Jennifer Smith uh, was an Army vet. Um, She was a, a lifelong resident of Lansing, born in 1971. She enlisted in the Army in 1990 and served in Operation Desert Storm as a pharmacy specialist with uh, the 101st Airborne Division, uh, specifically the 326th Medical Battalion. That was in the 101st. She was uh, actively served in Saudi Arabia uh, and then later Iraq and uh, rose to the rank of Staff Sergeant. Uh, She wasn't in the the Army very long, left it, but after she took off her uniform, uh, Jennifer was extremely active with both the American Legion, uh, and veterans of foreign wars organizations. Um, Really an interesting story with respect to the American Legion. She served as a a commander of uh, American Legion Post in Lansing, Post 535, which is an all-female post. Uh, She also rose up through the uh, organization, the American Legion organization, um, uh, being named as the uh, state chaplain for the American Legion Department of Michigan from 2013 to
2: 2015.
1: In the VFW, her uh, her rise was even greater than that. Uh, she was also a post commander for a VFW post, 701, in Lansing. She was on the Department of Michigan, uh, the state-level VFW legislative committee. Uh, she was a, a district commander for the VFW, and for those people who aren't familiar the, the basic uh, organizational unit of the VFW, as well as the American Legion, is a post. And then the next level of leadership up is a uh, called a district, which is a collection of posts in a geographic area. Uh, Jennifer had that role, District 6. She was also state legislative director, uh, state legislative outreach and congressional liaison, and state chaplain. She also testified before the U.S. Congress uh Veterans Affairs Committee regarding Gulf War illnesses back in, in 2015. Just it just makes me tired reading all of that. No, she
0: has uh, a, no, she, yeah she has an incredible long list of roles and organizations. Unfortunately, yeah. she just passed away a little bit ago, didn't she?
1: Yeah, she she uh, passed away uh, in November of 2021, 20, uh, just short of her 50th birthday. Uh, I do not know uh, the circumstances surrounding her death, but. Um, Uh, I'm aware of other uh, Gulf War vets who uh, experience all kinds of health problems, serious health problems, because of their service in country, uh, in Iraq in particular. And uh, I I suspect but don't know that her untimely death may be related
0: to uh, uh, that kind of a situation. And here's a good example of somebody who's passed away whose, whose service is inspiring and the family is going to get to uh, be a part of this Hall of Honor, this medal ceremony. And I know from the other four uh, ceremonies I've been at, this is really impactful for the family, isn't it?
2: Uh, yes.
1: Um, uh, one of the things that I hear in my ongoing interaction with veterans, and particularly veterans' families, and particularly the families of those veterans who had died, uh, whether it was uh, in the service or as a consequence of their service, uh, the, the biggest fear that those families have is that the memory of their lost loved one is forgotten. And uh, especially in a case like Jennifer Smith, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that the Hall of Honor plays at least a small role in helping to preserve uh, her memory not only for the family, but for, uh, for the communities that Jennifer served and for the state overall.
0: Well, one of the things we, uh, it's always nice to do is recognize someone when they're still alive and can enjoy it with their family. And you're going to get a chance to do that with inducting Evelyn Kennedy into the Hall of Honor uh, this October. Tell us about uh, uh, Ms. Kennedy.
1: Yes, Evelyn Kennedy, um, born in uh, 1939 in Tennessee and then moved as a child to Detroit and uh, lived there ever since. Uh, Like Essie Woods, uh, Evelyn joined uh, the Women's Army Corps, uh, but Evelyn joined in 1961. Uh, She served uh, for uh, a couple of years as a finance specialist at Fort Hood, Texas during Vietnam. Uh, After her departure from the active Army, Uh, Evelyn, uh, as a staff sergeant, uh, mid-grade enlisted person, uh, mid-level leadership in the enlisted ranks, Uh, uh, Evelyn joined the uh, Army Reserve and served in the Army Reserve until 1996. So uh, that was a total of 35 years of military service for uh, Evelyn. Uh, After, uh, actually even before uh, uh, Evelyn left, uh, uh, left the military, in uh, 1985, uh, she joined uh, the local chapter, uh, Wolverine Chapter 67, of the Women's Army Corps Veterans Association. And uh, while she was currently serving, she was, uh, and, and her long experience before that 1985 date, uh, she was able to use her military knowledge and experience to serve Michigan uh, veterans uh, throughout the state Um She did rise in the Women's Army Corps uh, Veterans Association at the state level uh, to positions as chaplain, finance officer, secretary, vice president, and president for uh, over a 20-year span. And uh, she also served uh, in the national uh, level of uh, the Women's Army Corps uh, Veterans Organization as national community projects chair and their national honor guard for 25 years. So, again... Uh, uh, someone who served uh, the community concurrent with and after her military service.
0: Yeah, one one of the part of the write up that uh, you've prepared. She also volunteered down at the uh, John Dingle VA Medical Center in Detroit. I mean, this is somebody who had a servant's heart and has been noted for her contributions pretty widely. Oh, yes, y- yes indeed. And it, but but here's the thing. So how old is she, and is she going to come?
1: Uh, Evelyn is very much still with us, uh, thank goodness, and uh, at the uh, the spry age of 84, uh, Evelyn will be joining us in person to accept her induction into the Hall of Honor.
0: Yeah, the, all, all of these folks, and and while there were a couple of. Uh... A couple of Army and one Marine here. Uh, your inductees go across to all service lines. They go across to all geographic territory. They have to have roots in Michigan, but as we hear, some of them were transplants. Uh, all genders. All. It's really an inclusive and, and inspiring bunch, isn't it?
1: Oh yes. Uh, yeah we uh, uh, we look for the best stories, and uh, I, I'm happy to tell you, Jim, that uh Michigan veterans uh, provide us with an abundance of uh, 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 interesting and inspiring stories um, we uh, we love to take them on and to tell those stories
0: well again let's uh, remind our listeners this is a open to the public free of charge ceremony on October 27th 2023 in Lansing Michigan at the Michigan uh, Historical Museum at 12:30 p.m come on out. You'll hear these stories. You'll get to meet some of these folks. Um, you know, bring the kids, bring the grandkids. Uh, there's plenty of things to do, and it is inspiring. Um, uh, you, you you have some musical selections. Who's go, who's who are the dignitaries, and what are you going to have on tap for music?
1: Uh, well, uh, as as far as the music is concerned, uh, we will once again have uh, uh, a brass quintet from. The 126 Band of the Michigan Army National Guard will be coming from uh, Grand Rapids. That's where the, the band is is located. Um, I would tell you, Jim, that uh, uh, we we have the same exact guys coming this year, soldiers ca- coming this year, as came last year. Uh, the soldiers themselves were very inspired listening to the stories, and uh, their uh, their lead NCO, who was in charge of the group, came up to me afterwards and said, uh, hey, hey Paul we uh, really want to uh, we want to come back next year this was really uh, 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 in, uh, intensely interesting for us uh, we want to uh, we want more of it so we're coming back this uh, next year and so they are there'll be there'll oh, be great. With us again in uh, in October
0: well you, it, it won't disappoint anybody who shows up will not walk away disappointed uh, Captain Paul Ryan, uh, U.S. Navy retired, we're glad you had a little time to talk to us. We're even more glad that you as vice chair of the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor can, can explain how all this fits together. It's not always easy for people to kind of get it, uh, but I think uh, this will. Um, if they want to know more information and they want to see the names of others who have been inducted in the past, uh, I'm going to give them the website. I'm not going to uh, make you do it, Paul, in case you don't have it right in front of you. But it's mi military vet hall of honor .org. So mi military vet hall of honor .org, and you can get a lot more information, a lot more history, and uh, more details on the stories of folks who are being inducted or have been inducted. Paul, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to, have, to be with you.
0: We're going to pick up the story of some of the other inductees after a few words from our sponsors.
3: Military veterans touch everyone's life. I'm guessing right now you're thinking of a veteran, a close friend, relative, Maybe it's you. Even the toughest of us sometimes need help but don't know where to turn for support. You don't need special training to help a veteran in your life. Even small actions can make a world of difference. If you know a veteran in crisis, please call the Veterans Crisis Line, 800-273-8255. 800-273-8255. A message from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs.
0: If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at one 800 693 They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We're continuing our conversation today regarding the 2023 inductees to the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor. We have one of its board members with us now, Bill McDubin. Bill, welcome to Veterans Radio. Uh,
3: Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here today
0: well bill uh... is a board member of the uh, hall of honor uh... he is a self-described military brat his uh... dad was in the navy and he gained he got to got uh... live all over the world as a result of that uh... but that wasn't enough for bill bill joined up with the coast guard and spent twenty five years with uh... the coast guard and again kind of got a chance to see the world uh, um, uh... certainly alaska where i spent some time but uh... Geez, you got time in uh, London, uh, England, as well as Virginia and Washington D.C. How'd you get the London gig? That sounds pretty good. Uh, military guys always yeah. have interesting stories. Uh, some of them are uh, you, you sort of end up shaking your head at, and that's what we like about uh, uh, talking about the inductees to the Michigan uh, Military and Veterans Hall of Honor. They've all got interesting stories, and Bill's on here to talk about a couple of them. Why don't we start with uh, Roger Chaffee Tell us the story
3: I would love to um, So Roger B. Chaffee If uh, folks don't remo- recall He was one of the Apollo 1 astronauts uh, That were tragically killed Back in 1967 uh, When uh, they were undergoing uh, Testing of their command module He was uh, actually a Michigan born kid He was a uh, uh, he was uh, brought up early in his early years in Greenville. He's actually born in Grand Rapids, spent about the first five or six years of his life in Greenville, Michigan. And then their family moved to Grand Rapids and that's where he basically kind of developed his passion for a variety of different things, especially Flying and aerospace, uh, which he, which kind of came about because of what his father's background, who had been a barnstorming pilot back in the 20s and 30s, and uh, that's when he got his first flight. His father took him up on a, on a, I would assume like a, a, a biplane uh, when he was a little kid, and that kind of hooked him for the rest of his life. Kind of made it part of his dream. To do something like that uh, when he grew up, he had a kind of a typical boyhood for kids that had been born in the mid '30s and then the, going into World War II. You know, it was very influenced by you know the whole war effort going on in the country. You know, kind of that that good old fashioned patriotic spirit that developed among that generation of uh, boys and 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 girls as well, and he. Uh, He excelled in school, you know, in high school. He uh, was also very passionate about his boy scout boy scout experience. He uh, he went all the way through Eagle Scout, earned probably twice more merit badges. He needed to be an Eagle Scout. So he's just one of these all around great kids. He graduated from Central High School in in Grand Rapids uh, in 1953. And then um, he applied for the Naval Academy and was accepted, but eventually decided to turn that down that appointment because he really wanted to go to a, a college that was going to get him into aeronautics. And so he ended up actually going first to the Illinois Institute of Technology he then transferred to the uh, to Purdue University because they just had a fantastic aeronautical engineering program. And at the same time, even though he didn't go to the academy, he did go into the Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps. Got a scholarship for that to help pay for a lot of his college. And uh, you know, his first experience uh, with that was actually an eight-week tour he had on the USS Wisconsin. As part of that program, and he got to tour through England, Scotland, and France, and Cuba. So that was in the late, kind of mid, mid to late 50s that that was going on in his life. And then from there, he, um, while he was in college in Purdue, he met his, uh, he met his wife, and uh, that was his. Uh, her name was, uh, his name, her name, excuse me, is Martha. And she was from, uh, Indiana and they eventually, I'm sorry, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And, uh, from there they, uh, he became a, a naval officer after he graduated from Purdue and he was, uh, he was a jet pilot. And so that was the late fifties, early sixties. And he uh, spent several tours on different aircraft carriers, and then he was signed to a variety of different air bases down in Florida. And this, during this time, of course, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis go on, and that's where he really excelled in some of his duties as a naval pilot. Through countless uh, missions over Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis.
0: And this, doing this
3: photo was. Reconnaissance, yeah, Bill. A variety of other uh, activities. Yeah.
0: Bill, this was a time when uh, pilots, test pilots, uh, were kind of at the forefront of getting into being astronauts. Is that how he made the transition?
3: That was, yes. Um, during the early 60s, so when he did, he submitted his first application for astronaut training, he was still a little young for, for that program, and it took him a couple years to actually get accepted and tested. He had some uh, medical issues with his eyes that he had to overcome, uh, which almost cost him the doctor to go into the program, but he was finally uh, accepted. Into the program in the early 60s, and that was for the, uh, he was in the basically the third group of astronauts since the program had started. So the Gemini and Apollo astronaut training program. And he commenced that, selected in 1963 and started the training and uh, the responsibilities that candidates had to, um, you know, get their ultimate assignment to, um, uh,
0: a spaceflight uh, event well and and uh, you know again this was the, a rigorous training program of the best of the best and and to be chosen for a, a Apollo 1 crew with guys like uh, Grissom and white uh, really this this put him at uh, the pinnacle of uh, his career but but it was short-lived at that point wasn't it?
3: Unfortunately it was. But yes, he was ex- he was accepted as uh, one of the crew members for the first Apollo mission, and it was um, with uh, uh, Grissom and White. And he was actually also the youngest uh, uh, candidate ever selected for one of the missions to actually go on one of the missions. So so you, that was another accomplishment that he had.
0: You can certainly but it was, you can so
3: certainly.
0: You can certainly see, Bill, why the board of the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor feel that uh, Roger Chaffee is appropriate to be inducted into the hall. And that induction is go- actually going to occur for 2023 uh, this October. And, you know, it's just to, to have stories and men and women uh, like this from all the services inducted really makes the the hall special that induction ceremony is on October 27th it's a Friday um, in Lansing Michigan at the Michigan history uh, Museum uh, starts at 12:30 it's open free to the public and in Roger chef is just one of the uh, what's there about a dozen people being inducted
3: that is absolutely correct
0: and 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 i think the important part there is to again tell these stories of not only people like roger Chaffee who had an incredible military career leading to being an astronaut but guys like g menon williams who had yeah a limited amount of service but it was a foundation of who they were and it's the rest of their life that's uh really quite impressive and actually we have another one of those people being inducted uh, that i put into that category um uh... isaiah or ike mckinnon uh... he's being inducted in the veteran category he served in the united states air force uh... in the early uh... sixties he did a little time in uh... Minnette, uh... uh... north dakota the coldest place you can think of in in the united states and then got himself uh... surprisingly transferred to vietnam one of the hottest places that you could serve at that time um, but, but Ike McKinnon, uh, with that limited service, came out, joined the Detroit Police Department, ultimately rose to be chief of police, um, actually was deputy mayor of the city of Detroit for a while under one of the administrations, and really yeah. always remembered that foundation of discipline and respect and hard work that was laid uh, you know when he was in the military and certainly there was family influences as well but that's what you get to do with the Hall of Honor isn't it uh, Bill uh, you get to see people during their service and after their service and, and they all end up being pretty interesting stories uh, th- those who get inducted
3: yeah and then also his story and you know contrasting it with the with the other uh, um, uh, Roger Chaffee and and um, Sophie Williams is is they all have dramatically different backgrounds. Uh, You know, they all come from these different walks of life, come come from different experiences growing up in in Michigan or or elsewhere, and they all come back and make such a significant difference and contribution for people in Michigan as well as nationally
0: bill i appreciate your time today to talk a little bit about a couple of the inductees and thank you for all your work that you're doing on the michigan military veterans hall of honor we're continuing our discussion about the michigan military and veterans hall of honor now with uh its chair Valdi garcia Valdi is a uh retired colonel from the united states army he served for 30 years he also served as a state senator here in michigan so his interest in the michigan hall of honor is obvious Valdi, welcome to veterans radio hey
2: good morning jim how are you doing today
0: we're doing great we've had a chance to talk to some of your other board mates here on the hall of honor about the process and the upcoming class of 2023 induction ceremony in in october and uh, we wanted to continue to talk about just some of the other members who are being inducted uh, a couple of the individuals for their military career because you can go in either on the military side or the veteran side so why don't we start with uh, another uh, army uh uh, he's currently, I believe, a master sergeant, uh, jerian Halberson Gibbs, uh, who uh, has quite a story of service in uh, Iraq and uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Tell, tell us a little bit more about uh, this outstanding inductee. Uh,
2: thanks, Jim. And it, it's uh, funny that uh, you find information in the uh, of uh, funniest of or oddest of manners. Um, I was doing some research on some other uh, military history and uh, I knew that we have friends over at the uh, Michigan History Museum. and so I was perusing their site and they had a new site up that they put up I guess in April about an individual whose name I had difficulty even uh, you know reading, let alone pronouncing, but I believe it's pronounced uh, Jorian Halbison Gibbs. And he's uh, from the Ann Arbor area, even though he no longer lives in the state. But uh, at the time, he was a staff sergeant. But the uh, the, the Michigan Military, uh, excuse me, the Michigan Heroes Museum had a uh, some photos, a story of, of what he accomplished, and I was very intrigued. So I immediately started to do some more research. It turns out that uh, this individual, uh, Jorian Halbison Gibbs, was a staff sergeant um, in. Um, September of 2007 he was uh, a special forces uh, NCO he was in the uh, Army Green Berets and he was uh, working with some Iraqi individuals his counterparts and they were uh, looking to capture uh, someone in Al Qaeda who was uh, Iraq's minister of defense for one of the provinces in Samara. and long story short and I can go into some of the details here shortly but his uh, actions that day uh september 10th 2007 earned him the nation's second highest award which is the distinguished service cross um and um it uh, was presented to him um more than 10 years later um and um oh no excuse me not 10 years later it was uh given to him in um, 2009 excuse me but uh, what an extraordinary Individual. the more I read about him, the more fascinated I am about his story and the individual. And uh, in a video that I've seen recently, he downplays his actions, and he says he just happened to be the guy on point that night, and uh, what an extraordinary story well, that's, about uh, this
0: individual. Yeah, these men uh, often are extremely humble. Uh, receiving the Distinguished Service Cross is a huge honor, uh, for yes. anyone let alone an enlisted guy in this situation and it's part of what the hall of honor does is preserve history making sure that other people know these stories about folks who have roots in michigan who have served the country either while in military service like help gibbs or while a- acting as veterans and and all the guys you're going to talk about really were Uh, Inducted because of what they did during service. Tell us a little bit more of what uh, he earned the uh, DSC for.
2: So that evening, they um, uh, uh, they took a helicopter in uh, to the site, and they ended up having to land unexpectedly close, within 30 meters of the building where they. Uh, that they were going to look for this individual, they cleared the first building, but there were three buildings, and as they exited the, the first building, they came under heavy fire from uh, the third building and uh, so they returned fire um, neutralized or uh, as as the uh, army is fond of saying, but in terms of uh, of Reality, those uh, terrorists no longer exist anymore. And uh, they then continued to move on, clearing buildings. They continued to take um, uh, heavy fire from a machine gun fire. And as they entered another building, um, his two um, army uh, individuals or uh, colleagues who were part of his team um, they were wounded immediately in fact all three of them were wounded and some of them were very very serious wounds but they continued to fight in fact um, at the time uh, staff sergeant uh, Halbison Gibbs took a, a gunshot wound to the abdomen which you know exited out his hip i don't know about you but if somebody punched me in the stomach that would stop me in my tracks
0: exactly this guy
2: this guy here was shot in the stomach it exited out his hip and he continued to fight. He continued to uh, eliminate the uh, enemy, secure the building, and on top of that, rally his troops, the uh, Iraqis that were with him, and uh, c- you know, continue the mission. It was just an incredible feat of heroism, uh, courage, and just and professionalism uh, to do something like that.
0: Well, I think it's also a highlight that the Hall of Honor is recognizing not only somebody who's still with us but somebody from the Iraq uh, war and operation it's not all about crusty old history that uh, you know is a uh, 100 years old is it
2: that, that is correct and, and you know one of the missions of our hall of honor is to remind folks of the legacy that Michigan has when it comes to service to our country and to our state and right now the army and all the services are facing severe recruiting challenges and there's just not an interest in service as there used to be. And I think stories like this of, of heroism, gallantry, um, courage in, um, just dire circumstances, I think can help to motivate and inspire young people to go out and serve their, their country. Certainly we don't, we, we don't hope that, that, uh, we have to go to war and no one in their right mind really wants to go to war. But if we have to, We want individuals who are highly motivated, highly trained, and have tremendous amount of courage. People like, uh, at the time, Staff Sergeant uh, Halbison Gibbs, who just went on to do some extraordinary things.
0: Another one of these living uh, legends, if you will, that's being inducted is Major General William Henderson, retired, who spent time both in the Marine Corps but uh, most of his time with the Michigan Air National Guard. Tell us about uh, Bill Henderson.
2: So uh, Bill Henderson is actually a a major general retired uh, who served in both the the United States Marine Corps and uh, the Air Force. Um, He was the um, uh, commander of the uh, Michigan Air National Guard. He was the chief pilot and director of flight operations for General Motors Corporation for 28 years of service, so he served in the um, Air Force and, and the Marines as well, but Ben went on to have a distinguished career in the um – in the, the private sector as well. But while he was in Vietnam, he had 125 combat missions. Um, and um, you, you got to go home after 100 uh, missions. And uh, they said after you, if you survived your first 10, you probably were going to survive many more. But as you know, or any student of, of uh, aviation or air combat history, especially in Vietnam, a lot of the pilots that went up north, were shot down by uh, surface-to-air missiles. So it was not a, uh, a milk run. It was uh, combat, and uh, they faced danger every time they crossed over the DMZ and went into uh, Vietnam. Well, As I- a result of, of his uh, actions, he was inducted into the uh, uh, Kalamazoo, um, the um, – michigan aviation museum in kalamazoo uh, michigan
0: and he's also one of these guys who has received some of the highest awards the nation gives including the distinguished Uh flying cross uh, twice actually actually and he's flown like every cool jet there is right he's flown the f-100 saber the a7 corsair you know he's got a hell of a record flying and uh Uh, Again, we're lucky to have uh, that uh, Major General Bill Henderson will be in attendance, as I understand it, at the October 27th induction ceremony in Lansing, Michigan, at the uh, Michigan uh, History Museum on, on that Friday beginning at 1230. That's open to the public. So Bill Henderson is one of these kind of living legends, isn't he?
2: Absolutely, I'm just fascinated by the fact that he that he uh, flew the F-100 Super Saber. Uh, that was uh, growing up as a kid. That was one of my favorite aircraft. Um, it served in Vietnam. It, it it conducted some of the most dangerous missions that there were. Um, the uh, what uh, those folks who served in the Air Force know as the Wild Weasel missions. They went out and looked for surface-to-air missiles and attacked them. Uh, so that the rest of the bombers and the fighter aircraft would be free from surface-to-air missiles. And sometimes they succeeded, and sometimes they didn't. But they were very, very dangerous uh, missions.
0: Well, he's a good example of uh, why we're passing along this history. He's an, uh, an Ann Arbor native. Uh, he uh, was at uh, went went to Eastern Michigan University, and and he's somebody everybody can relate to, um, and I think will be a great addition to to the Hall of Honor. Well, we have another uh, individual going in uh, due to military service, uh, a Ypsilanti boy, um, uh, Captain Robert Arvin, um, KIA in Vietnam. But why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Bob Arvin's story? Uh,
2: Yes, uh, Jim. uh, Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, Captain Arvin, uh, Bob Arvin, was one of those individuals that uh, we will not be able to uh, uh, honor in person, but uh, certainly uh, his record of service uh, speaks for itself. Uh, He was um, a a young man. Uh, He he went to West Point, and he was, by all accounts, uh, an exemplary student and demonstrated exceptional leadership abilities, but uh, he went on to serve uh, in the infantry. Now, Guys like like that have their choice of branch of service. They can go into uh, accounting. They can go into um, finance. They can go into um, um, armor. You know, right around in tanks. But this guy chose to uh, be. Uh, you know, give his service with the infantry, the ground pounders, the guys that walk everywhere they go for the most part. And uh, you know, he wanted to be where you know the the edge of the battlefield was and he, and he certainly uh, uh, accomplished that and he was uh, sent to Vietnam as an advisor and um, he won several awards here uh, a silver star purple heart and of course you know if you got a purple heart you were wounded in action so uh, this individual was quite uh, an ex- uh, you know extraordinary individual but um, unfortunately um, he uh, is uh, not going to be able to, to be with us uh, at the ceremony.
0: Well, it's, it's a good example, again, of history of trying to keep the names alive and the history alive of young men who've given their life of, in the service of the country. Uh, Bob Arvin is fondly remembered by his uh, mates from uh, West Point, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. And uh, some of those uh, individuals will be at the ceremony to remember Arvin and, and uh, help keep his history of really selfless service alive. Um, as you say, he was awarded the Silver Star, which tells you something right there. So uh, tell us a little bit about the ceremony as we wrap this up. Uh, and we're talking to Valdi Garcia, who's the chair of the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the ceremony and what folks can expect.
2: Uh, Sure, Jim. Um, Folks can expect that we will identify and honor 12 individuals uh, from all ranks, enlisted officers, all uh, backgrounds and races, and uh, males and females, those who served in combat, those who didn't those who wore their you know, country's uniform for just a few years and then went on to do extraordinary things in the civilian sector. But we will um, call them up one by one, first uh, the military, then the veterans, and um, we will read uh, some um, citations or some bullet points of some of their extraordinary achievements, and then we will uh, present them a medallion from the um, uh, Hall of Honor, as well as some tributes and letters of appreciation from our U.S. senators, from our state representatives and state senators.
0: Well, I hope you found those stories interesting. We didn't get to cover all of the inductees. We never have enough time to do this. We'll put up a longer podcast uh, that captures just about everybody. But uh, come on out and mark your calendar now. you got plenty of time to arrange things. Friday, October twenty seventh, uh, 2023. At the Michigan History Museum, 702 Kalamazoo Street, Lansing, Michigan. Uh, you can go to the website mi military vet hall of to get more information. But come out and be part of this history making. I think you'll find it uh, truly educational. Bring uh, the grandkids, bring the nieces and nephews, because uh, you'll all find it of interest. So for Veterans Radio, we're always glad to highlight these sort of things, whatever state they're in. So give uh, Dale or I an email shout out. Uh, Go to veteransradio.org to reach us so that we can always keep developing new ideas for things you might want to uh, hear on the radio. Remember, radio on the river. Go to the website or the Facebook to uh, donate and help us out there as well. We really do appreciate it. takes a takes a few dollars to keep it all turning, and uh, we appreciate our sponsors like NVBDC that uh, and our VSO supporters in Ann Arbor as well. That that includes the VA Ann Arbor Healthcare System, uh, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Post. Uh, chapter 310 the vfw post 423 and american legion post 46 all who keep us energized and on the air which we appreciate and until next time on veterans radio you are dismissed